A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and I already see a text coming in on the story that we've been carrying on our news service this morning and this is to do with the daily inpatient hospital charges for adults. They are going to be abolished. Now this is under proposals that are going to be going before the Cabinet today. Now at the moment there is a daily rate. If you end up going into a hospital inpatient you get charged €80 per day. Now you can be charged up to a maximum of 10 days in any one. I'm assuming it's in any one calendar year. So that means that the maximum you uh, people have been paying is €800 per year. But that's going to be removed in public hospitals for uh, adults. Now, as I say, it is adults who are hospitalised. The Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, will be seeking permission today from his colleagues uh, to draft the new laws, which will then obviously be passed by the Oireachtas. Now, the hope is that this new law will kick in and the charges will no longer apply from April of this year. And of course, it was last September that charges for inpatient children in public holidays were scrapped for children aged under 16. But we then had to wait for the announcement in the budget in October. And they made the announcement that they're also going to abolish them for uh, adults. Uh, so as I say, it'll go through the doll today and uh, hopefully then it will be in place by April. So your thoughts welcome, Don. And somebody who's not in favour on it is one of our listeners who reckons and makes, I think, a, a fairly valid point. Patricia, why does the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, not offer to increase the salaries of medical staff instead of abolishing charges for public hospitals. These facilities are already struggling to cope with the large number attending the hospitals every day. A free service, guess what happens when it's free? It gets abused and it leads to further overcrowding as nobody will end up visiting their GPs that decide to go straight to the hospital instead. Giving the staff a substantial increase in their salaries may, may actually encourage more of our recently qualified doctors and nurses to actually stay in this country. I'm sure the majority of pa- patients would be happy with that and will be happy to continue paying the 80 euros if they thought it would help to improve the recruitment of staff. There's not much fun having a free hospital visit if you don't get a satisfactory service due to lack of staff at the end of the day, which I think, yeah, whenever anything is free, it has a tendency to be abolished. But as far, but the 80 euro that we're talking about uh, today, that's for patients who are actually hospitalised. I don't know what is the charge when you actually go to A&E, but this is for people who actually 
actually need a hospital bed. And I suppose, you know, this government will say they have been trying, particularly with the cost of living crisis, uh, to do as much as they can to help reduce the costs uh, for uh, families. You know, for example, they've reduced the uh, the amount that you pay if you don't have a medical card and you have to pay for your medicines every month. The amount that people pay for medication has been uh, reduced. And of course, they also introduced the free uh, contraception for women of a certain age. And the plan is that even more women uh, will be able to avail of free contraception. Uh, but I, I accept the point you're making when you give somebody something free We've seen that with the free GP care for children, how many GP practices are swamped now with the under sixes parents who might have thought twice about maybe bringing their child to the doctor if they had to pay for it. The fact it's free, they go straight to the doctor, whereas maybe previously they might have popped into the chemist to see if there was anything they could buy over the counter to remedy whatever was wrong with their son or daughter. But you are right, when something is given out free, it can, not everyone, but it can be abused. And there's not much point having any kind of a free service if when you get there, the service isn't satisfactory. So thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103 and I'm also reading in the papers today and I'm, I'm thinking most people will 100% agree with this that we need a full security audit is now needed in every single hospital in this country and that of course is to do with the killing of the 89 year old uh, pensioner Matthew Healy at the weekend at the Mercy University Hospital and leading the charge for this full security audit is the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. They're demanding a security review after the death of uh, Matthew Healy, not just at the Mercy Hospital, not just at hospitals here in Cork, but they want it nationwide. And they also point out, and I had to kind of do a double take when I read it, that the last such security review that was done in Irish hospitals took place in 1996. And if you think about, we're living in a very different Ireland to even 1996. 1996 may not seem that long ago, but certainly there's a lot more violence out there today than there was in 1996. And of course, as we as we now, as more information is now coming out about the death of uh, Matthew, it's, uh, it's seen, the allegation now is that he was assaulted with a walking frame at half past five on uh, Sunday morning. And of course, this particular incident has now prompted, you know, fresh concerns around the safety of everybody in Irish hospitals. I mean, obviously, the Irish nurses and medical organisations are doing it from their own members point of view. They want to make sure that their members are kept uh, safe, but everybody needs to be kept safe. Philney Hay is the INMO General Secretary, and she says the, you know, obviously the union's thoughts and sympathies very much with the families at the centre of this uh, tragic incident. But they've also pointed out that they're offering uh, support full support to their members in the Mercy Hospital and will continue to do so. And they say in light of what is an awful, awful incident, the INMO is now again repeating and they have looked for this before, uh, a call for a full review and full audit of security systems and protocols uh, in Irish uh, hospitals because we never want to again be reporting on the death of anyone, particularly a vulnerable elderly man. You go into hospital, you go into a hospital bed and you're going in there to 
get better and we put our loved ones in there in the hope that they'll get better and come home to us and nobody nobody would want to go through the nightmare that the Healy family are now uh, faced with and of course as we know last night it's a 32 year old man uh, was charged in connection with the death of Matthew Healy and he is due before the courts this morning so if anything breaks on that this morning uh, we certainly will bring it to you. Later on on the programme we're going to be um, discussing an issue um, about um, the Coachford Medical practice um, and we've been getting some commentary in from listeners including an email in from John to say it was a shock that I hear McCroom Credit Union wishes to take back their building which will result in our GP practice in Coachford having to look for a new premises for many years now Coachford family practice have provided invaluable service to the community here Coachford's ageing population cannot be expected to have to wake, make their way to McCroom or Ballancolic to see a GP we are going to be discussing that in more detail and we welcome your thoughts and comments particularly if you are in the Coachford area and you're affected by this uh, issue because we're also hearing from people who they themselves might not be directly affected but they might have parents who live in that area who are affected so we welcome your thoughts and like what John did you can always email corktoday at c103.ie or you can give John Paul a call at 0818103103 and in a couple of minutes we're going to be talking about Pascal Donoghue and what we can expect is going to happen later on today in the Dáil but already getting thoughts in on this one. Morning Patricia, I think the most important aspect in relation to the Pascal Donoghue case is the lack of transparency between our government and the public. The point you made about Pascal being such a likeable politician just highlights the need for this transparency. Even the most likeable and seemingly trustworthy members of our government can and are capable of corruption the scale of which is irrelevant uh, says this WhatsApper. Alan, thank you for that. Alan in Middleton said, except everybody needs to be held accountable. And yes, Pascal does need to be open and honest on this one. However, while he's very good at his job, he represents Ireland in Europe and he's one of the top people in Europe at the moment for a small country like Ireland to have someone in the position that Pascal has in the EU is massive. So let us not ruin this by all means reprimand him but surely the opposition can see the bigger party by the way I'm not a fan of either Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael says Alan in Middleton Ger in Mallow says too many politicians are getting away with it I feel now Pascal Donoghue needs to be held to account and if he has to go he has to go it will be a blow for the government but maybe it's what is needed to keep politicians on the straight and narrow and Helen says people need to be very very careful about a situation like this we have issues and similar uh, problems in the UK everybody wanted change in politics well we got that change but our country the UK England is a mess nurses and uh, transport workers all on strike while overall people are shouting this down I have never seen so many people attending food banks in the UK and they're attending due to all of the extra pressures and high energy costs so I would not be pushing good politicians out for what looks like a very small trivial mistake the UK did this and now we are reaping the benefits of that mess and Helen is originally from the ovens but she's living in Yorkshire and listening to us on a line good to have you along uh, Helen alright that's just a sample of some of your commentary coming in 
on Pascal Donahue. Let's. This is Cork Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. Now, for the last two weeks, the Public Expenditure Minister Pascal Donahue has been embroiled in controversy over his election expenditure in 2016 and in 2020. Today, he's expected to give a comprehensive account of what happened and casting his eye over the controversy is Adam Higgins, political correspondent uh, with, the, with the Irish Sun. Good morning to you, Adam. Good morning. And you're, you're very welcome. I suppose just a bit of background to all of this. This is all to do with the putting up of election posters. It is indeed, yes. Yeah. So originally this um, controversy, I suppose, started uh, the week before last when it emerged that a complaint had been made to the Standards and Public Office Commission about Minister Donoghue, which alleged that uh, he had failed to declare some expenses in the election in 2016. So the expenses that we're talking about here are postering services. So what has been alleged is that the minister failed to declare just over €1,000 worth of services that was paid to uh, six men to put up uh, election posters and take them down for that 2016 election. Now, the issue arises then because this was paid by a supporter of uh, Minister Dunhill, a man named, a businessman named Michael Stone. Now, Michael Stone paid for the, the services and there's no issue with that. But Mr. Dunahoo said he wasn't aware that the services was paid for. He thought they were a voluntary thing, which is why he didn't declare them. And so he has subsequently corrected the record to declare them. But that has spun a whole range of questions from the opposition who want clarity on a number of issues. And today is going to be Pascal's second attempt in the doll to explain his side of the story. It is indeed. So last week uh, on Wednesday, we had a special uh, sitting session in the Dáil where the minister tried to put this all to bed. Now, unusually, the minister refused to do a back and forth Q&A with the opposition. uh, And instead, he opted for he came in, gave a 10 minute speech where he tried to lay everything out and be completely honest and said, this is exactly what happened. This is the mistake that was made. And he apologized for it and, and all that sort of stuff. Then the opposition were all given a few minutes each in one big round where they could put questions to the minister. And in a five-minute gap then at the end, the minister tried to answer all those questions together. Now, the minister, to be fair, dodged a number of the questions that were put to him and kind of gave a, ran down the clock a little bit uh, on, the, on the five minutes that he had. Now, he said at the end of that session that he wouldn't be addressing this again until SIPO had made a decision on whether they want to investigate it or not. Less than 24 hours later, he came back into the Dáil on Thursday and said he needed to make a separate statement again on Tuesday, which is today. Now, what that refers to is the 2020 election and some breaking news in the past hour is that Michael Stone, the businessman, has put out a statement to political reporters today saying that he paid for services again in a similar manner to the 2016 election in 2020. Now, last week, the minister said that and a spokesperson for the minister said that no election expenses were, were, there was no issue with the 2020 election and this all, the whole issue was around the 2016 election. Michael Stone says today that he paid for, again, six men to put up posters and he paid for a van to, to rent down. It was just over a thousand euro again. But critically, minister, uh, Michael Stone said he never told the minister that he was paying for these expenses. And so a similar mistake was made again in that the minister didn't know that these were paid expenses, instead thought they were voluntary and so never declared them. So is, is that what we're expecting Pascal then to talk about today? The fact that he's now discovered that they were also paid for in 2020? 
I think that will be the central part today. And that was the central part of in particular Sinn Féin and Pierce Doherty's questioning last week was around the 2020 election. It kind of seemed like Sinn Féin knew something that we didn't know. And they were constantly asking, are you sure this didn't happen in 2020? And that was kind of skirted around by the minister. And he's clearly got all his ducks in a row and is ready to come into the doll today, I suppose. And everything straight and, and admit that this happened again in 2020. Now, Michael Stone is saying that the minister had no idea that he was paying these expenses, that he, the minister thought they were voluntary and it was a mistake on Michael Stone's part that uh, he was paying this de- kind of service as a donation to Fine Gael. And it kind of gets, it muddies the waters a little bit more and this kind of new um, information coming out this morning in that statement that I'm sure will be addressed in the minister's uh, session later on. And will the opposition get a chance to question him? Yes, so the format of today is very important because the minister has uh, conceded to doing a direct Q&A with the, with the opposition spokespeople. So what will happen today is the minister will come in, he'll give a 10-minute speech looking to declare everything that happened in a similar way that he did last week, but we'll also get the details of the 2020 election expenses mistake. And then he will go one-to-one with each opposition. Each opposition uh, our spokesperson will have six minutes, so we'll see Pierce Doherty given six minutes, and that will be for questions and answers. And then it will move on through the House, you know, the Social Democrats, Labour, etc., etc. And at the end, then there'll be a five-minute wrap-up from Minister Donoghue, which I'm sure he'll apologise for the mistakes that were made and things like that. And then we'll, that's Minister really today is looking to put this to bed, and I think it's important that he does because if the minister comes in today and does and does his speech and everything else, and more information comes out in the next few days that isn't addressed today, then I think the minister could be on unsteady ground. Yeah, because, you know, I've heard some uh, TDs, you know, citing the Phil Hogan uh, affair. And I think that's what happened with Phil Hogan. I just dragged on and on. Pascal Donoghue needs to put it to bed today. Yes, he does. He really needs to, to put a flag in the ground today and go, this is it, and draw a line. Because really, this... He tried to do that last week when it came out. When this initially came out a week and a half ago, it was over the weekend, and he came out really very quickly on a Sunday and did a press conference. And he was very open and honest in the press conference. And I remember thinking to myself, he's trying to put this to bed straight away, and he's you know being open and transparent about it. Then more information came out during the week. Then we had his uh, speech on Wednesday in the Dáil, which was unusual that he didn't agree straight away to a question and answers in the, in the format that we're getting today. And when it comes to the 2020 election, I think that is a, a further muddies the water a little bit more because we didn't have that information last week. And it's this kind of drip feed of information that really causes politicians trouble when it comes to these situations. And, and Adam, is it hard to work out exactly how much postering costs? I mean, that €1,000 for postering, is, is that a normal price? Is it above average? Is it below average? I'd expect to see that as one of the big questions that the opposition parties will be answering, asking today of the minister, because we saw in the same constituency uh, in a TV interview recently, Mary Fitzpatrick said in the 2016 election she paid over five thousand euro for po- postering services. Oh. Now the ministers uh, said that it, it, the services that were paid were just over a thousand on his behalf. And other services were done voluntary and that sort of thing. So he kind of has a mix there. But I think there was a question put to him in last Wednesday's session 
by the Social Democrats, Roisin Shortall, who was questioning whether this was some sort of mates rates he was getting, <laughs> and how was it so? How was it so uh, cheaper than other politicians had paid for? And I, I suspect that that will be a key part of the questioning today. Adam, is it all a bit petty? Is it just the opposition having a go? Well, I think there is a part of that. Now, it is important. Look, that that we've seen. Uh, declaration issues when it comes to politicians very in the recent when it comes to housing and situations like that now this is completely different but it's still an issue that needs to be ironed out but ultimately at the end of the day the the group that does this that will iron all these questions out and all the questions we've just been talking about there is SIPO the standards in in uh, public office commission it's their job to get to the bottom of all this it's their job to decide whether an investigation is needed and it's their job to rule on whether Minister Donoghue has any wrongdoing here. And the opposition parties know that. They know that this is Sippo's job, but they're bringing this into the political sphere, bringing this uh, into the doll because they know they can score points against a minister who, to be completely honest, has been unflappable in the past. He's a he's someone with a, a great reputation. He's very well liked by all uh, parties across the doll, And he's even the president of the Euro Group and representing Ireland abroad very well. And I think this is just a chance. What the, what the opposition parties are using this as is a chance to score a few points in that political game yeah and people are talking about last week in the doll how uh, you know what somebody describing pascal dunn who was a very honorable man how he was shouted down by the opposition and a number of people not liking that yeah uh, is it having an effect on the fina gale party i mean they did dip in last sunday's poll and particularly that crucial 20 percent marketing was 19 they came in at is it having an effect on the party I think it's too early to say whether this specific uh, Minister Dunhu's issue is having effect on Fine Gael's poll position. Now, you have to remember, we very recently had the issue with Damien English as well, which was probably what was affecting that poll a bit more than Minister Dunhu's. I think we'll, you'll have to wait a couple of weeks to see how this washes out in order to see how it affects their poll position. But within the party, like, I mean, they are, you know, angry that this has happened, but not angry at Minister Dunhu. They're kind of, you know... They, they see this, as you mentioned, as a, as a political game against a, a minister who's well-liked, who's done a good job for the country, who they feel has done a good job for the country. And I think that's the kind of sense that's in Fine Gael. It's more rallying the troops around Minister Donoghue as opposed to anything else. OK, and somebody says, could you ask um, Adam, does he expect Sippo to investigate? That is going to be the key question here, whether Sippo need to investigate this. Now, like, I mean... Ultimately, so much has happened and so much information has been dripped into the media and through these doll statements that I'd be surprised if SIFO don't investigate this. But at the end of the day, it's there, It's up to them to, to decide whether they're going to do this and it's up to them then to get all the answers to all those questions. So from what I can understand, it'll take maybe a week or two for SIPO to make the decision on whether they want to investigate. But then after that, they go so in detail. They really you know, go through the nitty gritty of these things that it'll take them quite a long time to investigate. So we could be talking about a number of months, which would do Minister Donoghue no favours because it will continue this narrative in the media and it will continue the coverage of this up until he, the end of that investigation when SIPO rule whether there has been any wrongdoing or not. OK, all right. All eyes on the door. Four o'clock, you said, is it this afternoon? Four o'clock kickoff, okay. yeah. All right. <laughs> Listen, Adam, a pleasure as always. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Uh, good morning to you. That is Adam Higgins, who is the political correspondent uh, with the Irish uh, Sun. Uh, and as I say, we wait and see what happens this afternoon. But I think uh, because we knew that there was going to be some extra 
information that Pascal Donoghue wanted to tell everybody when he came into the door last week and said I'll make another full statement on Tuesday but I think it's been preempted now by the businessman Michael Stone who has confirmed that he also paid for election postering to be elected in the 2020 general election even though Pascal Donoghue had been adamant it was only in the 2016 but uh, Michael Stone has come out and said no actually I paid for the 2020 ones as well. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And Maris who uh, declares himself as not a fan or a supporter of the Fine Gael party but he said he was listening to members of the Sinn Féin party shouting and roaring uh, about what is going on with Pascal uh, Donoghue but he says uh, they've short memories because Sinn Féin were in a similar position a couple of years ago which was dealt with by Sippo, Sippo and there was no big deal made about it it's all down to politics uh, once again 0818 103 103 thank you for that uh, Morris. now yesterday and again this morning we've had a number of people in the Coachford area contacting us because they're concerned with the news that the local GP family practice has been given six months to vacate the premises that they are currently renting. Uh, to find out more about what's going on, I'm joined by Martha McCafferty, who is with the Coachford Community Council. Good morning to you, Martha. Good morning, and, Patricia. And thank you for taking our call. I suppose just to try to, for people outside of the area, it's the Coachford family practice. How long have they been renting in this particular building? Oh, they have been using that building with approximately 15, best part of 15 years. Oh, they're there. They're, they're well established. Well they established. Are, they are. Okay. They are. And it is McCroom Credit Union who own the building. Um, What's going on? What, what is the doctor hearing as to why they want the building back? Well, it seems to be the, that the credit union wants to have the building available so that they can open for a second evening. At the moment, the um, credit union is only, only opened on a Thursday evening for a couple of hours after the GP surgery is closed. Okay, all right, so it doubles up. It still dub- doubles up as a sub-branch for... It, it, for it does, it does. Okay. So it's, it's only opened on, on a Thursday, um, approximately 5.30 to 7. And, so, the, and that's the only hours that it's opened. And then for the rest of the time, the GP uses the facility. And that arrangement has been working quite well? Absolutely, no problem at all. And it's, it's you know, it's fantastic because it's in the village it's within walking distance of the pharmacy and it's there's an area for people to park as well you know from an access and disability point of view it's it's readily available you know we have contacted the coachford family practice and they say they're very aware of the concerns locally from patients they say they're working on it at the moment but they are thanking everyone uh, for their uh, support and uh, and and certainly from the calls we're getting and even reading on social media martha there's a lot of upset in the community over the oh. thought that you could lose your gp practice oh absolutely and within 6 months you know suddenly it's sprung upon the community that this is going to happen. You know, I mean, Coachford is a hugely expanding area. You know, there's roughly 17 new houses gone up, um, we'll say up by the National School. There's planning for another 45 new development um, on the on, on, on the Coachford main road. Um, we've got an ageing population. Um, we've little or no public transport. So how people will actually go elsewhere to a GP surgery is 
scary, really. Yeah, and as, and with an expanding village, it's going to be more and more important for new families coming in to know uh, that there is a GP in the village. Absolutely, and we're very, very lucky to have a GP as it is because so many areas yeah. don't have anything. 100%. Uh, how, how many um, interviews have I done with villages who, who would take the right hand off you to have a GP oh, practice in uh, their village? Absolutely, yeah. and, and the GP practice itself is absolutely fantastic. You know, you, you go, you ring, you make an appointment, and there's no waiting around for hours. You know, you're seen, if you have a 10 o'clock appointment, you're seen at 10 o'clock. Well, well, that's... And that was even pre-COVID, you know. So the staff, um, the doctors there, Sarah Kingston, everyone there is just fantastic. And, you know, you, you, you know they've got your back. Do you know of any other suitable premises in Coachford? No. 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 That, that does seem to be the problem, doesn't it? It is, yeah. it is, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, six months is a very short space of time for anybody to get alternative accommodation. Now, we did get on to uh, McCroom uh, Credit Union and in fairness, they have issued us with this statement. It's just three paragraphs, so I'll read it out. They say McCroom Credit Union has operated a sub office in Coachford, which is what you pointed out, Martha, for many years, providing a service to members in the local community. The premises also serves as a backup to the main credit union office in the event of a major incident and it houses IT equipment to ensure business continuity in the event of such an incident occurring. For the last number of years, the sub-office has been used by the local GP practice through a lease arrangement with McCroom Credit Union. Following a recent review of the lease, McCroom Credit Union became aware that under the Credit Union Act, it is precluded from using the premises for any purpose other than conducting credit union business. Unfortunately, this has resulted in McCroom Credit Union providing notice to the GP practice of the termination of the lease to avoid breaching statutory regulations. McCroom Credit Union regrets the issuing of the notice for the termination of the lease. As a voluntary community-based organisation, we fully understand the importance of the GP practice to our members and the wider community. And they say we'll work with the GP practice in as flexible a manner as possible while they seek an alternative premises. And that ends the statement. So they're saying that it's not that they want to do this. They say that under the Credit Union Act, they're not allowed to do it. So what we then decided to do was we said we'd get on to the central bank to find out about this Credit Union uh, Act and does yeah. a cre- credit union need to be the sole occupant? Now we're awaiting the central bank to get back to us. So if if that's the case, if it is the case, that, and we've, we've no reason to believe that it isn't, but if the credit union are saying, sorry, our hands are tied, that means the GP has to move. It does. From that statement, yeah. That's a real worry. That is a real, real uh, worry. It's absolutely huge. And now, equally, we're very lucky to have the credit union as well. And that's a valid, a very important source of, you know, business in the the area as well. So, you know, we're, we're lucky to have both. But I suppose it's the suddenness of it. You know, well, it's a new, pre- as you say, I mean, six months. Six months is very little. Uh, particularly for what it is for a GP practice, you know what I mean? To make sure that it's suitable and, you know, it's got to have access for older people. You know, you've, you've got to make sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, somebody saying absolutely devastating for everyone in the locality. If we were to lose such an invaluable asset to the community, local councillors and TDs need to ste- step up uh, and do what they can. Someone else says, this is terrible news. My elderly parents 
rely on this GP service. They're always telling me how great it is, how handy yeah. it is for them to yeah. attend. My family's minds are at ease knowing they're being looked after, as are so many other families who live in that um, area. And we have reached out to a number of the local uh, politicians in the area. They're all saying they're looking into it and uh, nobody wanted to speak with us this morning, but they're all saying that they're doing their best to look into it. But I mean... Uh, if the credit union are saying our hands are tied, this is it, then the emphasis now needs to go on a suitable location and it needs to be found ASAP, Martha. It does, absolutely. And six months is a very short time for that to to be achieved. And even just getting manpower and labour to actually do any work on a premises is challenging in this environment. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, okay. You know, we understand the credit union have to abide by their the Credit Union Act, and that's that's you know. But I wonder, is there any flexibility around this? That? Is the thing we need yeah. flexibility, and they need to have um, somewhere to go before they can't just be turfed out onto the yeah, street. Yeah, yeah. In this in this day and age, I think some flexibility is needed, and even if they can extend that the lease agreement while they're looking for a more suitable premises. But as you said, six months will be gone in the blink of an eye. Six months will be gone. Absolutely. All right, listen, um, Martha, we'll keep on top of this and keep us informed if anything else breaks your end. But we really appreciate you taking time out to join us this morning. And thanks very much, Patricia, for highlighting it as well. Our pleasure. Thanks for that. Bye-bye. That is uh, Martha McCafferty, who is with the Coachford Community uh, Council on that. What is uh, a breaking story coming out of Coachford, but it is certainly causing much uh, upset and anguish uh, to people living in that area. You know, Martha's right for the older people. They need to have a GP practice as close to where they live as possible. I mean, somebody earlier uh, was saying, you know, if that practice was to close and therefore people would have to either go to McCroom or to Balancolic, that's all well and good if you're able-bodied and you can drive and you have, you know, the ability to get there. But, you know, the public transport isn't always there to make doctor's appointments. And if you're an elderly person, it's not that easy to change doctors, particularly at an older age. Somebody is suggesting about the situation in Coachford with the GP practice. Anne is saying, could they not use the old Garda building in Coachford? It is empty. I I don't know. I know people have been looking. I know certainly elected representatives have been walking around the village to try to see if they can see a suitable uh, location. But I think the point that Martha made as well, even if, I mean, I don't know whether that Garda building would be suitable or not, but even if they found a building that was available and, you know, was available for lease or, or for rent or to buy, whatever, it's the work that would need to be done to make it suitable as a GP practice. I mean, you know, bearing in mind they need to have like wheelchair accessibility, you know, they need to make sure that, you know, young parents who are pushing prams, that there's ramps and and things like that. Parking certainly would be an issue, obviously, where they are at the moment in the Credit Union building, there is parking. So parking has to be taken into consideration uh, as well. So it isn't, it isn't a simple fit. It isn't just as easy as, say, if a shop ends up having to terminate terminate a lease on a building, a shop can move you know, from one building into another building. I think you know, GP practice comes with kind of unique features that it's going to need to have and then to have the work done and trying to get builders that are available because they're all working flat out at the moment. It's just going to be hard to do it, I think, in the six months. I think that's the 
big concern that people have. So that's what I'm wondering. And I'm literally just wondering, is there any flexibility around this? I mean, McCroom Credit Union have only found out about it when they uh, became aware of it, when they looked into the Credit Union Act and they, w- they weren't aware that it precluded them from the premises being used to conduct any other business other than credit union businesses. Only then they became aware of it, even though I don't know. Martha thinks that it's there for the last uh, 15 years. I don't know if there was a change to the Credit Union Act that precludes them from subletting the business to any other business. I don't know if that's something new or not, but maybe the central bank can clarify all of that uh, with us. And and certainly we're on to the central bank to see if we can get any update. And as soon as we do, we will bring it to you. But maybe the guard, the building in Coachford is an option. Thank you for your suggestion, uh, Anne, to 0862103103. A lot of people are on about Pascal Donoghue and what's going on with Pascal Donoghue. He's before the doll at four o'clock today for the second time to try to explain who paid for his posters and what he knew and didn't know. Hi Patricia, I think the gov- this government should go. They have the country in bits. They're all the same. They just seem to be lining their own pockets, says this uh, texter. I don't know if a new uh, government is the answer or not, but thank you for your, your thoughts. Martin Infomoy says, Patricia, for God's sake, will you tell people to please leave poor Pascal Donoghue alone? There are far more important issues going on that need to be dealt with. Let me list some of them to you, says Martin. Housing, accommodation, homeless Irish people, the cost of living, price hikes. We've had murders in this country. We've had rapes. We have sickness. We've COVID, the war. There is so much going on. Get a life, people. Cop on and leave poor Pascal alone, says Martin in Fomoy. And I think a number of people, Martin, are of that view as well. Whether you're a Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Sinn Féin, Social Democrat, regardless of where your party loyalties lie. I think a number of people are seeing it that way as well and thinking with everything else that's going on in the country, do we really need to be wasting politicians' time inside in Dáil Éireann uh, discussing who put up the posters and how much did it actually uh, cost. Somebody else says, Patricia, I think the Dáil should be discussing the state of the health crisis in this country. They should be discussing housing instead of going after Pascal Donoghue over some posters. It is crazy. Carry on. Please wake up and look after what you are overpaid to do. And that is a message going directly to our politicians from a text or WhatsApp or to 0862 103 103. We're going to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let's catch up on some of your thoughts and comments coming in. We are going to be talking in uh, this hour about how do we de- protect members of Angar the Shia Corner because unfortunately there's been an increase in uh, violence and uh, in particular this has been highlighted because of that assault at the weekend where a member of Angar the Shia Corner had part of their finger bitten off and I mentioned that earlier when I was teeing up the programme with uh, Ken that we will be discussing what can we do you know to protect our Gardaí and what can we do to stop this violence because of course uh, if we have more of this violence against members of Angar the Shia Corner it is explaining 
explaining why some are deciding to retire early. They're getting out of the force. And also, if we see more of this violence against members of Angarda Siakana, it's less likely that people are going to put themselves forward to become members and then the whole of society uh, loses out. But that has prompted somebody to pick me up on what I've been talking about with the Garda and the finger being bitten episode. Hi Patricia. Listening to your show about the Garda who had part of his finger bitten off, I was wondering, how on earth does one do that? The only logical explanation I can arrive at is the guard had his hand over the guy's mouth. How else do you end up with your finger in somebody's mouth? If I tried to bite your finger off, you'd probably make a fist or pull your hand away. I find it impossible to believe that the guy, the guy targeted the guard's finger. It sounds impossible to me. So before you go defending the guards and politicians and the church, please first, first consider the people being railroaded by the powers that be that you so blindly defend. Oh, goodness me. OK, uh, why am I blindly defending? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a male or a female uh, Garda, but can I just tell you uh, what I do know is what happened in the particular case of what's been reported on and what happened in the particular uh, case. It was uh, an incident unfolded in Dublin. And I know people in Ballymun are very upset because it's been said that it happened in Ballymun and it didn't. It happened in a place called Gulliver's Retail Park, which is actually in Rahini. It's not in Ballymun. But anyway, that's beside uh, the point. That's where it happened. It was at uh, 11.30 in the morning, can I say. There was reports of a a car being driven erratically. The guy driving the car seemingly allegedly drove into one car, then hit a bollard as shocked onlookers were looking looking on. This was at half past 11 in the morning. The guard, the obviously had to respond to the incident they did they stopped the suspect and it is then believed that the man resisted arrest and it was at that point he bit the guard's index finger and left it hanging off how it ended up in his mouth I don't know I don't think the guard he himself or herself will be able to tell you how the finger ended up in this guy's mouth but it did and he a part of the finger was left hanging off and of course other members of the Gardaí now are talking about the level of violence now against uh, Gardaí and that particular member from Gardaí Shikona had to be treated in uh, hospital and that's why we are going to be discussing it uh, today. Am I blindly defending members of Gardaí Shikona? Yeah, I think I always will blindly defend members of Gardaí Shikona because they are there to protect us. We can't have, I mean I would blindly defend anyone who had the top of their finger bitten off in the line of their the duty, in their line of work that guard that went to work they didn't go to work to have part of their finger uh, removed thank you for your uh, text and your thoughts on 0862103103 and a thank you WhatsApp in for Mary uh, thanking us for covering the GP issue in Coachford Mary said I actually live in McCroom but I travelled to Coachford to attend that GP practice why? because none of the GPs in McCroom are taking new patients this really is a big problem thanking you said Mary and actually I hadn't thought about that when we were talking about this GP practice and uh, you know Martha from the Coachford Community Council was saying there's new houses going up in Coachford and there's plans for more new houses and I was saying so there will be you know new families moving into the area uh, and new people moving into the area that will need a GP I hadn't thought about that that people from outside Coachford are travelling to Coachford to attend the GP because as we know in so many of our towns and indeed our cities it is impossible if you move to a new area to sign on with a GP practice because all of our GP practices are uh, full and by the way 
you know, we got onto the central bank to ask them if they could check out does the McCroom Credit Union have any leeway because McCroom Credit Union are saying it's in the Credit Union Act that they are precluded from subletting or that the credit union building can't be used to conduct anything other than credit union business, even though, according to Martha, she reckons the GP practice has been there for the last 15 years. So we're wondering, is there any way around uh, that? So the, the central bank now are going to check the Credit Union Act for us and they're going to come back with an answer now. John Paul was speaking to somebody in the central bank and they say if they don't get back to us by the close of, of the programme today, they certainly will have some kind of information for us tomorrow. So we leave that with the central bank just to see if there's any leeway from a Croom credit union, if there, there's any way that we can help out what is going on with that family practice in McCroom. Mick Embottlement has been on to us to say while diesel and uh, petrol prices are going down somewhat, he's wondering is there any news on the price of coal decreasing? Now he said he's asked his coal man, does the coal man can he foresee any fall in the price of coal? But the coalman said, sorry, it's no change at the moment. And obviously the coal companies buy in their bags of coal at a set price and then they sell it on at a set price. So we know that the price of coal has gone up hugely, even compared to, say, last year. But nothing on the horizon to say that the price of coal has come down. And it kind of is the same for people who are heating their homes with gas. People are getting massive gas bills. I know people are getting large electricity bills. But at least with the electricity bills, there's that credit coming from the government. And that's kind of taken the sting out of a lot of the electricity bills. But people are getting huge uh, gas bills. And people who heat their home with solid fuel, like Mick and Butterman buying the coal, they're not getting any kind of a break uh, at all. Thank you for that, uh, Mick. And then on Pascal Donoghue, still getting in commentary on that. Donald and Brough says we've got a homeless crisis in this country. People who cannot afford to simply purchase a home. We have hospital waiting lists that seem to be increasing on a daily basis. And today in Dáil Éireann at four o'clock, they'll be talking about Pascal Donoghue and who put up his posters in the 2020 election and the 2016 election while the country struggles with all of the other issues that Donald Imbruff has just uh, highlighted. Donald Imbruff is scratching his head. Marie in Grena says, My son is going to mortgage brokers at the moment, desperately trying to secure a mortgage. It is near impossible for him to get a mortgage to meet the current housing prices. Prices. And yet we're hearing the government today will be having a big chat about Pascal Donoghue's campaign in 2016 and in 2020. Could they not please be debating the real issues? That's what they're put in government to do. Martin McCroom says it's obvious an election is on the way with all the bickering that is going on in the Dáil after the last number of months. It doesn't look like any of them are concerned about the Irish the people of the Irish uh, Republic, they just seem to be all concerned about getting themselves re-elected. Tim says, Trish, if anybody else had done what Pascal Donoghue had done, they would have to go. So Tim is one of the fans saying he should go. And uh, someone else says, sorry now, but this is not just about posters. Money was involved as well. If I'd done something wrong while at work, be it to do with money or whatever, I would simply be fired. A few of these politicians have broken the law and they seem to get away with it. Just look at what happened with uh, Leo. So somebody wants to be more stricter. Zero, zero tolerance, I'm assuming, is what that listener is saying when it comes to our politicians and wrongdoings. And one final one from Dan in Bantry. When I mentioned earlier about the hospital charges, the daily inpatient hospital charges for adults are going to be abolished. That's not going to kick in 
until about April. At the moment, the daily rate is 80 euro and you can pay up to a maximum of 800 euro. So for 10 days, in, if you're in hospital, you'd have to pay up to 800 euro. They're going to be removed for all adults who get hospitalised. Dan says if they are considering scrapping that and they and they are, what about the health insurance companies who charge you for your stay in hospital? Will they scrap that too? If you sign the form for private health care, Dan feels you get to see the consultant more or less straight away. But if you refuse to sign the private health insurance form and go the public route to get to see, you'll get, end up seeing a hospital doctor and not the consultants. So are they going to remove the high charges they put on private health insurance companies, which in turn increases all of our health insurance premiums is a totally different uh, issue. But I know it's that form that the health insurance companies tell us none of us should be charging none of us should be signing because the hospitals shouldn't be asking people to sign those when they go into a hospital but some people yeah i've you're not the first uh, dan who i've heard say that people are afraid that if they don't sign it they're not going to get the same level of care the insurance companies are adamant that you will get the very same care because it's the fact that you're using a public hospital you shouldn't be signing that form but because we all sign that form it does mean our insurance premiums are higher 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A youth worker and an administration assistant is wanted for positions available for community employment. That's in Mallow. Call 087 6368 Maintenance fitters wanted to work in Formoy. You need to email maureen.sage at uh, glennonbrothers.ie. A person wanted for routine mechanical and preventative maintenance and repairs of ATV motorcycles and garden machinery. It's in Newmarket. CVs please to info at horrigansmotorcycles.com. And excavator drivers, so wonderful for Cork City and County. Jobs do come with immediate start. Christine is your contact at 087-377-1419. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is Court today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Now, according to the Garda Representative Association, policing in Ireland is going through a very difficult period, highlighted only last weekend by a Garda having part of their finger bitten off in an attack in Dublin. John Parker is the Cork rep for the GRA and John joins me this morning. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. And, and you're very yeah. well. You're very welcome to the program. Uh, firstly, and I don't know if you know, do you know how that Dublin-based Garda is doing following that um, attack? Yeah. Look, um, the members suffered very serious injuries, inc- including um, finger being bitten off. So, um, obviously, very traumatised after it, and very serious physical injuries. Um, it's, it's, it's something that one, one doesn't expect during routine stops, even where the person um, has been involved in uh, traffic offences, etc. But it's something that happens uh, more increasingly on a day-to-day basis. 
And that's the real worry, John, here, isn't it? These assaults on Gardaí are on the increase. Yeah, and look, um, you had a caller on there earlier or somebody who possibly emailed, emailed you in and uh, I, I, I won't um, express that their remark may have been a little bit facetious. I, I will take it on the chin that they possibly don't understand the rough and tumble of an interaction with a member of the public who is looking to evade arrest. But um, certainly the member does not put their hand um, into the person's mouth, as is, is suggested. Yeah. There are a number of occasions where you are up close. Certainly on occasions when you're administrating um, an alchemeter test, you know, you're holding the device in front of the person's face. But regardless of that, um, and not specifically talking about this particular case because the matter would be subjudice, but in the round, on a number of occasions, um, when you're performing an arrest and when there is resistance and when you're struggling and when you're rolling around, etc., you will come in close proximity and people are inclined to bite onto the first thing. Oh, whether, it's, whether it's your hand, your leg, anything that comes in close proximity. I, I'd say myself, I was three or four years in the job on a simple public order instance, putting a person into a car to bit down. Um, they kicked out, breaking a, a, a thumb of mine. It's something that, that happens. And, you know, you're prepared for assault, you're prepared for resistance, but you can't be prepared for the type of injuries that can be inflicted when someone goes over and above a normal resisting arrest. And are some of these, the assaults, John, very serious? <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean... I suppose look at the head, headline ones over over the years. We and, and this is going back a while, but I mean they will stick in the mind. We had Sergeant John Liston um, from my who and, and the person wasn't in 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 sound mind, and John got stabbed uh, um, after a, a nightclub incident. Um, that was prior to us receiving the protective equipment of the stab-proof vest. I mean they were they were being issued, but it was going to be a number of weeks or months. But we had been calling for protective. Um, equipment, and that was one of the seminal occasions when it proved that we should have had them. And you will remember Sergeant Dave Hockney um, attacked by six people, rocks thrown, one hits him in the eye, and he's left with 25% vision. You know, I mean, those are the headline ones, but on a day to day basis, um, members are injured, and the, the statistics won't actually reflect the amount of assaults because what is recorded are generally the ones where there's an injury, a bruise, a cut. Um, breaks of bones um, and, and stuff like that. But in the round, in many um, public order arrests, the guard has been punched, slapped, spat at, and often these ones aren't recorded because there is um, general public order offences put forward and not assaults. And are these type of attacks, uh, John, and this level <coughs> of violence that you're seeing out in the streets, it, is it leading to some of your members deciding to resign and leave, just leave the force? I mean, why would you put your, put up with that? Yeah, look, I suppose in, in, in the round, um, you, you know, you'll have good times, you'll have bad times, you'll put up with um, a, a lot of what, what is going on. But in general, you need job satisfaction. You need the, the highs uh, to put up and to, um, I suppose, balance the lows. And um, in the last number of years that there haven't been a lot of the positive morale had gone down. And I suppose a lot of it is to do uh, with the increased violence. Uh, a lot of it is to do with uncertainty over rosters and shifts and people's family life being hugely impacted. Um, it's one thing for um, an employee to have, um, I suppose, hours that 
they are, are aware of where they'll be working, when they'll be working. But a guard is on call all the time and people's family life uh, needs to be balanced and we need predictability, etc. And that balances things out. But also, I suppose, members coming in, they're on a very seriously reduced training wage of €183 Euros for six months. That would put them off. And um, in particular, the huge oversight and the heavy workload that's left on members because of reduced numbers. Um, you know, often we can find we're chasing our tails, going to one call, trying to catch up with the paperwork while still doing the next call, you know, and trying to follow up the following day. Yeah, and, and I know I was reading a piece from the Garda Commissioner, uh, Drew Harris, when, you know, he was talking about Garda numbers and, and whatever, and, and there are, unfortunately, a dwindling number of Garda, Gardas, but, uh, Gardaí, but he was mentioning that I think 109 members resigned uh, last year. But what really I was taken aback was he's now pledged to soon introduce exit in- interviews to establish why resigning guard the members why they're leaving uh, the force you know what was the resignation you know what was the concern and why, why why they resigned i would have thought that that was been done already i'm shocked to hear you know if anyone is resigning you know you need to sit them down and say why so that the force can learn to make sure that you want to have more following suit a hundred percent and this trend has been happening for the last three years and the associations have been calling for analysis to be done and not simply on those that are resigning but those that are retiring at the first available opportunity that they can because traditionally we have had a large number of members who would remain on beyond their uh, contracted minimum retirement and they would often serve until compulsory retired at 60 but we have seen a trend in recent years where members are leaving on the button and members are leaving with a facility to buy back some of their training time so that they can get out six months early. Um, And and it's not about the numbers that are retiring. 109 is a huge, significant number when you consider there was only the late 40s about two years ago. But it's the percentage rise. You don't get a sudden surge of people looking to leave, and especially people who have been in the job a number of years. You know, it's one thing for somebody to have come in and start the training and to decide the job is not for them. Uh, is there also an issue around recruitment, getting the <clears throat> younger guys in? in? Indeed, there is. And I suppose senior management would say we're still getting a couple of thousand um, applicants for these jobs. But you will find that the long wait and the lull in recruitment had put off a number of the previous successful candidates, so much so that when you go back to them saying you, you were successful and we're now ready to take you, we'll find they have gone off and they found better jobs mm. in the public or the private sector. And with a population that's growing in this country, it's we need even more Gardaí than ever. Yeah, um, look, it, it has been analysed and over-analysed um, on a number of occasions and we're currently at about 14,100 and numbers significantly north of 15,000, indeed up to 17,000, have been mentioned due to the demographics, the huge geographical areas we have to cover and the 24-7 availability. Um, the thing about it is you're not going to get those numbers in unless you incentivise the position and you protect those who are already doing the job. You know, you deter attacks on Gardaí by um, stringent sentencing and um, when people are put into prison you, you keep them uh, in there 
for attacks on all emergency workers because the ambulance service, the fire brigade and other blue light services also come under attack. Yeah, I mean, there has been a call for quite some time of mandatory sentencing, hasn't there, for an assault on anyone within the emergency services. That needs to be put in place. Indeed, and people learn from um, their previous history or from seeing their own um, bodies getting locked up. And there's nothing stronger than somebody being taken off the scene for a year or two years or, or more in relation to their conduct. And uh, it, if, if people are willing to take on guards and assault them and ram, ram patrol cars when they're being pursued for the purpose of arrest, you can imagine what they're willing to do to the ordinary citizen that's unprotected. If you don't take a stand um, on the people who are taking on the guards, well, then you're leaving the wider community unprotected. Okay, John in Skull wants to know, should and are, are the Gardaí armed with pepper spray that you could use that to protect yourselves? Do you carry pepper <coughs> spray? No, you don't, do you? Yeah, um, each member has a personal issue of pepper How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Pepper spray. The thing about it is use of pepper spray is a defensive item rather than offensive. And members would prefer to use it in preference to having to use a baton because a baton can cause injuries. The thing about it is on a number of occasions you will find that a person who has been arrested or who hasn't even shown signs of needing arrested can suddenly become violent and the opportunity isn't there to use pepper spray. For, For instance, in the road traffic, stop similar to and I'm not specifically discussing the one in question um, in a road traffic stop you could be um, performing
performing duty with a person who's fully compliant and within seconds they can turn on you either due to intoxication or due to consumption of illegal drugs. Mm. Okay, and Edward wants to know about body cams. Would uh, body cams help to protect your members? And this is something that has been spoken about. Uh, indeed, I suppose the protection in body cams is to protect you most like, likely from the aftermath of something where there's allegations put forward and you can show that your actions were fully complicit with the legislation and that you dealt with the person in a fair manner. Um, there's a slight deterrent effect in them in that um, people will be aware that their actions are being recorded. But then again, there's also the occasion when people can act up for the camera. Um, so there is a slight deterrent effect on them, but th- their main protection, as I said, is to uh, deal with the issue when it comes to court. OK. All right, John. Listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that and stay safe out there. And Thank uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is John Parker. And John is the Cork representative for the Garda Representative Association. A North Cork listener says, Patricia, this country has gone to the dogs. The day will come when we will have to have an armed uh, force. And, and I don't know if Gardaí themselves even want to be armed because there's always a danger if you've got an armed force, as we've seen in other countries, that, you know, just if somebody gets trigger happy, you know, we've seen awful consequences of having armed police force. And I, I don't know the members themselves if they're looking for, if they're actually looking for that, but certainly anything that can be done to protect them. I think that is what is needed. And Jim says, hi, Patricia, to the listener who called you out earlier and said you were blindly defending the Gardaí. If that person who was arrested, who bit the guard's finger, was a law-abiding citizen, then he wouldn't have been in the situation where he was needed to be arrested and then subsequently went on to resist arrest. And he wouldn't be in the position where he would have been biting a guard's uh, finger. Why do we have these do-gooders who seem to be out defending these people all the time? And that's from uh, Jim. Thank you for that, Jim. I know all the young people are in school, so this advice is really aimed at the parents. Maybe some of the students are at home, but Roisin Kelleher, our career guidance expert, is joining us with advice to students uh, and parents as key dates are approaching for applying for college for next year. Well, um, for next September. And uh, joining me is uh, Roisin Kelleher. Good morning to you, Roisin. Good morning, Patricia, oh. and to all the listeners. And uh, Happy New Year. It's our first time speaking in the New Year. Always great to have you on the programme. Now, uh, January is flying by, and which means the 1st of February is fast approaching, and that is an important date. Indeed it is, to try and make up their minds about what they're going to do for their future. And isn't it a wonderfully exciting thing to be thinking and considering, but just to take care, to look at all the possibilities that are there, and they're more than ever. But indeed, at this time, as you have said, Patricia, uh, particularly important to be aware of the application for CAO, the Central Applications Office. That is the courses dealing with what they call higher education. So the course programmes associated with Level 8, they would be the honours degree programmes. They come with their points and their entry requirements, all of which at this stage the students should be familiar with or at least getting familiar with. And of course, as you have said, the students are in school, so it's very important that the parents are aware of this and if we can help in any way with the parents to keep them informed with what's going on, they'll be very pleased to do so. Then level seven are the ordinary degrees. So these can progress to level eight if a person wishes, but they don't necessarily. I mean, these are all standalone qualifications in their own right. And then level six would be called a higher 
national certificate. So they're all the courses associated with the CAO. And these are the programs at this time they have to pay particular attention to because the closing dates coming up on the 1st of February next week. And in particular, the restricted. So some of those programs, Patricia, are, are restricted. That, that means that there will be some additional uh, consideration with regards to the entry. Medicine is one art. that, yeah, and medicine is one that always springs to mind. So art, uh, music, drama, all these programs that need some other extra type of okay. um, additional, in addition to the leaving certificate. Now the students are aware of this or should be aware of this and so they can still change their mind about courses afterwards but if it's a restricted course then it must be put in by the 1st of February. Okay and, and mature students also need to keep the 1st of February mature in mind. Mature students as well and indeed mature students there's more and more mature students now interested in going to college doing different courses and so they also must make their application by the 1st of February. But of course, in addition to that, there are the post leaving cert courses or FE, the further education colleges. And even though they're, they're not on the CAO, now there is a reference to them on the CAO website, but you don't make an application to the CAO for the post leaving cert courses. But nevertheless, one can make an application for those courses at this time now as well. Yeah, and you can so start inquiring you start inquiring about them and, and looking into them to see is this the course and is this more suitable for me? Well, indeed it is. And there's more and more of the students realising the value of the post leaving their course as a way of checking out is the particular perhaps higher education course that they may do afterwards, is this the particular course that they may want? Or indeed, if a student decided they might want to do science and they may not have had, you know, two or three other science subjects, which isn't always necessary, but they can go on to a post-leaving cert course and just do a one-year course where it's completely concentrating on science. And that gives them an enormous head start for the following year in college, if they wish. And likewise with business or anything else like this. So these are very valuable courses. Oh, it's important also to say that these are very valuable courses in their own right. A yeah. person, you know, a person can do, for some people, it all depends on resources. It depends on what a person is interested in. It depends on where, where, what they want to get out of the system. The, the work of career guidance really is to inform people about the possibilities. And then the person, the student and the parents and persons involved make up their mind as to what's the most useful thing for that person at this time. Yeah, and a, pa a parent is asking for a child who is undecided as to what they want to do, should you be looking at the jobs market to see what jobs are likely to be available when they come out of college? Well, they can, but the job situation can change quite a bit. Yeah. And also the young person themselves can change what they might feel they would like to do at 16, 17, 18 can be different, of course, a couple of years later. But certainly there's nothing wrong with looking to know where are the more popular opportunities, where's, where's the different, you know, all the different chances and opportunities that there are in this country and other places abroad. Of course, that's an absolutely sensible thing to do. And yeah, but I think parents need to be careful, though, Roisin, about pushing somebody in a direction that just because the parent sees, oh, there's jo job opportunities there, 
pushing, you know, I, I, I've, and I know I've, I've mentioned it uh, in the past. I had, I had a friend of mine whose family were adamant that he was going to become a doctor and, and yeah. he did become a doctor and he never wanted to become a doctor and he qualified. Yeah. I think he worked for about two years in a hospital environment and yeah. the last I heard of him, he's abroad as a carpenter. He just always wanted to work with his hands and yeah. it was his family pushed him to do something he didn't want to do. Well, sadly, that can happen. Yeah. So if the, if the parents want to do that, then the best thing is that they do that themselves. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> a good point. Okay, okay. Because, and, and actually, actually that's that, person's decision. Yeah, and that, I know, and I know you're a big fan of apprenticeships. Absolutely. They, and they're, again, increasing, and there's more apprenticeships, even I was checking on the site, even yet again, uh, coming in very shortly. Now, again, with the apprenticeships, just to be aware of, that they must have a sponsor. Okay. That is somebody who is prepared to train train up that person. There are two uh, degrees, imagine, at a level eight, through the apprenticeship route as well. One with insurance and the other in recruitment. Now, again, they have to be sponsored. So they get onto the, or, or they get onto the Insurance Federation or indeed with the recruitment and they float their CV to see who may be interested in taking on that person. But then it means that they can earn as they learn. And they are in a job situation. For some people, this is absolutely a dream come true. For others, no, they prefer to go through the more traditional college experience. But I think what what you're showing is there's something there for everyone. Absolutely. There isn't any doubt at all about it. And also the help that is there for them. Because many young people do have challenges with dyslexia. Dyskulia, again, is becoming more popular to be that, that they now know that there are, that is a, a, also a condition. The persons have to, I know they say it's a disability. I prefer to use the word challenge. Yeah. It's an extra challenge that this young person may have. So DARE is there to assist them with regard to that. And HEAR. Now, it's very important on the CAO form, if they're going for higher education, that the DARE and the HEAR box, the little box on the CAO, that that would be ticked, you know, to alert the CAO and the colleges that they have this extra challenge. And then, of course, they have to submit all the supporting the documentation. Now, DARE is the one for somebody with a specific learning difficulty. The HEAR one is different. That's for the people from disadvantaged backgrounds, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, That's right. Okay. But even, even with the DARE, I, I have come across quite a number of students who have had a lot of anxiety and stress. Even since the, the, the COVID, it has become much more so with young people. But, of course, it, it's one thing to say of anxiety and stress. It would have to be supported with medical. Yeah, yeah. you can't just help. decide yourself, I need this additional I know, help. No, okay. no, no. And I, it's also important to say that with regard to the apprenticeships, that if they have this uh, learning challenge, they're supported there as well. Okay. Okay, so, and then you yeah. have, you, you need to tick that on the box by the 1st of February. Uh, and uh, then, yes, and with the apprenticeships, you need to say it. To okay. Them, they, have it, they have it on their form as well, if you have a learning challenge, I would say. Or and then you, you, have, you have a month to get the supporting documentation in. Um, so there is for, plenty of time. Yeah. There is the support. I would say, again, at this time, it's so important, whatever port, it doesn't matter if the postings are, of course, the apprenticeship or the higher education, please research please check it out. Check the modules. Just as your last presentation there with the topic with the Garda, it's important that a person looks at the reality of the job. Like you said earlier, the job Mm. with the person. But there's nothing wrong with that. You look to the career, you look to the job, the positives and the negatives. 
Exactly. You meet people who are in that type of career and you go through a few people to find out about it. And then you select the best course that will get me to this particular point. Because sadly, every year we see people who do a course, they get halfway to it uh, the first year and realise this isn't for me. And they've just basically wasted a year. But I mean, there's risk helping. I mean, again, with career guidance. How many of them have done an interest questionnaire? How many of them have actually sat down and gone through the questionnaires which are available and ticked off and say, do I want this? Do I want to be a farmer? Do I want to be a mechanic? Do I want to be a guarder? Do I want to work in a science laboratory? Do I want to be a broadcaster like yourself? What is it? You ask yourself these questions and you get some type of a prompt or reply back to show your levels of interest. Yeah, okay. And that is the starting oh, point. It's objective and it helps people. Oh, okay, a question in from a listener, and I don't know if you can answer this, but if not, you might be able to point the person in the right direction. If my child is colourblind, but they do have colour blindness correction glasses, can they still apply to be an electrician? I'm afraid I can't answer that question exactly. Okay. And it was only last week I had a young person who wanted to be an electrician and sadly had never come across the issue of the colour blindness and uh, he, he couldn't do it. But whether the, uh, they would accept a person that has the corrective glasses, lenses, I'm yeah. aware of. You knew, you, where, where would she go for clarification on that? She can check it through with the training board, with the apprenticeship board in, uh, in Cork. Or if okay. she wants to ring in to my number, I will check it through personally with her. Okay, you're very good. You're very no good. No problem at all. All right, and then, and then very finally, we've got a minute left uh, for somebody's inquiring about grants and grant applications. Yeah, too early yet. Too early yet. Too early yet. But there's nothing wrong in gathering up the information and having all of that together. So, of course, they have to have that information for the here because that would be associated with their income levels. Mm. And then uh, if a person wishes to make the application for the SUSE grant, uh, the application for that isn't open yet, but will open shortly. OK, and we, we'll have you back on again uh, closer to the time on yeah. that one. As always, Roisin, thank you. You're a mine of information. Say, again, I will yeah. want to wish condolences on the very sad passing of very dear colleague, Paddy Tamer. Yeah. I worked with in St. Brogan's when we were there. Of course you did. There, he was there. And of course to all of you there on 103. Ah, it's very special. kind. He was a very special guy. He really was. Listen, was. Roshin, you look after yourself and we'll talk again in the coming weeks. Thanks for joining okay. us. And the best of luck to all the listeners. Thanks Thank a million. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is our career guidance expert, uh, Roshin Kelleher. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to Anne-Marie, who sent in a lovely text. She was listening to my chat with Roisin Kelleher, our career guidance uh, expert uh, who works uh, out of Bandon. And Anne-Marie says, Patricia, loving your programme as usual. Thank you. Just to say uh, that we consulted with Roisin Kelleher when our lads were filling out their CAO forms. She is such an incredible advisor for anyone who's trying to make their college course choices and she takes the pressure off the parents too. She saved us so much in terms of focusing our boys research, honing their direction and ensuring that they were confident in their final selection. Both of them glad to report settled happily into their courses as a result of Roisin's help an amazing lady who has an unbelievable level of knowledge thanks for letting us hear her wisdom again says um, Anne-Marie. Thank you for that Anne-Marie and I've heard that before for people who have gone to 
uh, Roisin for career guidance and she never pushes herself herself while she is available to give career guidance advice but she's always saying to parents to get that message through to young people please access if you've got a good career guidance teacher inside in your school and uh, many schools do others don't uh, and if you don't then but go and find a good career guidance and get the advice because unfortunately time and time again it happens every single year we will hear of from families who son or daughter filled in their CAO form they got the points which was great achievement get into college and then come about Christmas they're coming home saying ah that wasn't really what I thought the course was going to be about or, or you know they're just not liking it it's just not suiting them and they don't have the skill set for it or they just simply have absolutely zero interest and then they end up having to maybe go back to the CAO again the following year and reapply again and go find a course that is more suitable and of course if they're on a SUSE grant then they'll lose out because they won't get the SUSE grant that won't be repeated when they repeat the first year to kick back in for the second year of their second course but they'll have to fund the cost of that course again so that they can, can add as well extra pressure financially onto families so it's all this is the time of the year this is where we this I think is always one of the most important interviews that we do with Roshi and it's just leading into the you know the, the starting of applying to the CAO get the research uh, done now we were talking about the Gardaí and trying to recruit people into the Gardaí and with the level of violence against Gardaí I'm wondering you know is it turning young people off going but a listener says Patricia my daughter did the fitness test for Angarda Siakona and failed by 10 seconds now she's to go back and repeat the full test again could they not just give them an extra bit of time well it's funny that you mentioned that because it was something that I had discovered last week and I, I looked into it because uh, I heard from somebody else as well whose son I think failed the test and said it's just too demanding and they're just not giving them enough uh, time and you're not on your own when you're thinking that because the Fianna Fáil TD Jim uh, O'Callaghan actually got on to the Minister for Justice Simon Harris to find out how many people were failing the Garda fitness test and it seems one sixth of Garda applicants last year failed the test so your daughter was not on her uh, own 55 candidates out of 315 who went through to do what's called a physical competency test in order to get into the Garda I think there's an aptitude test first so they get through that and then they must do a fitness test before they can you know go into Templemore uh, to do their actual, actual training so a sixth of all of the applicants failed last year. Now, what is the the the, the physical competency test? It's called the PCT. It includes a shuttle run, push-ups, an obstacle course, and then a push-pull machine. Now, the obstacle course has to be completed three times. But this is where the sting is. It has to be done in under three minutes and 20 seconds. And obviously your daughter did it in three minutes and 30 seconds. And if you do it outside of the three minutes and 20 seconds, that means you, f- you fail and you have to do, you have to repeat the whole uh, test. Now, Jim O'Callaghan, the Fianna Fáil uh, TD, was concerned that the fitness test is simply too demanding. He reckoned he did a bit of research on it. He says it's out of step with other jurisdictions and it's actually becoming now a a growing factor blocking recruitment and when we looked at the PSNI in Northern Ireland 
they have a, a fitness test, which is very similar to what we do for Angarda Shiakona for our assessment down here. But they allow four minutes and 30 seconds for the obstacle course. So they give their applicants an extra minute. So if that listener's daughter had been given an extra minute, she would have been 50 seconds under the time. Rather, when she did it for the Irish, for the Angarda Shiakona, uh, she was 10 seconds outside. Hopefully she'll she'll pass it the next time. And, you know, often what happens with these fitness tests when you're nervous and you're under pressure, you know, you might just you know your full concentration isn't there you get a bit panicky and you know maybe that that's what happened to her so hopefully she'll pass it the second time around but as i say not on your own now i didn't i didn't see or hear anything similar from jim o'callaghan um as to has he managed to get the fitness test has he managed to get extra time put onto it or not but if anything breaks on that we certainly will bring it uh, to you staying with our guard this year martin in mitchellstown says our guardy just simply need to be more strict. The laws are simply too lenient for the criminals and then giving them free legal aid. Well, I'll stop you there. They, that's not the Gardaí. The Gardaí, unfortunately, don't make up the rules of the justice uh, uh, system and they certainly are not the ones that are giving them the free legal aid. All the Gardaí can do is arrest somebody, bring, you know, file it to be sent to the DPP, bring them to court and then it's up to the the legal system to take uh, take place after that. But Martin is saying on the particularly on the free legal aid, who is paying for the free legal aid? Why it's you and I, says Martin, through our taxpayers, to our to our through the money we pay into by taxes into the Exchequer. Martin says I was lying in bed last Sunday morning and someone just for the sake of it started kicking my front door. They were messing, they were coming home from the pub. But it, Martin says it's very frightening. And it is very imagine lying in bed in a deep sleep and you wake up to hear somebody kicking at your front door. Now obviously they move moved on and thought it was a great bit of fun uh, but not a great bit of fun for for Martin. Yeah, I can understand how frightening that could be. And then someone else says Patricia, the Gardaí do a great job at the end of the day but this listener says there's no respect there anymore. When I was growing up, says this listener, you were afraid of them and that's that's now I don't know whether it's fear that we want it's respect that we want more than anything but it is true it's kind of a societal shift there was much more respect of Gardaí for previous generations than there is today how we change that I don't know uh, somebody you remember somebody had said uh, would it not be a good idea to arm the Gardaí should we not have an armed police force and I did make the point that I don't think I've ever seen like the on Garda Shia the representatives the the, the representative body like I spoke with today the GRA or even the sergeants and inspectors organisations I don't know whether they're pushing for an armed uh, force or not and the danger is you know what can happen when you have an armed police force and somebody very much against it and say could you imagine if, the, if our Gardaí were armed we would end up like situations that happen in uh, America uh, people end up getting shot unfortunately innocent people end up getting uh, shot so this person will be very much against having an armed uh, force and we do have the special force that are armed but arming all of the individual guardy would be against that um, hi Patricia this is on Pascal uh, Donoghue Pascal Donoghue didn't get the money it was the people who put up these posters that got paid at the end of the day we're talking about a very small amount of money so I really don't understand what all the ding dong is about all the important issues like health and housing are put on the back burner just so that we can have another session in the doll today where it'll be all backbiting says Catherine it'll be toing and froing from both sides one will say one thing one will say another somebody will shout will shout shout somebody will shout back and it'll yeah 
It'll be a great big ding dong is a good is a good word. Let's get back to solving the problems that we have in this country. And then Jim says, uh, Patricia, are we blinkered? Every form I send in to any part of the government, all of the various departments having to give my details and especially if it's anything to do with finance, I completely fill in and I tell them the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And for telling the truth, I get nothing from the Irish state. I live on a UK pension, which, by the way, it is a UK pension, but it's taxed here in Ireland. I pay an accountant to give truly complete and accurate information on all of my forms. And now when I hear someone say, poor Pascal Donoghue, if we can't trust our politicians who we pay very well, to be honest, uh, if we can't trust them, then who the hell can we trust? Can anybody tell me whatever happened to Minister James Riley? Where is he now? And what happened to his coffee machines? Remember the coffee machines that we, the taxpayers, paid for? He said he wanted the tax the coffee machines so that he could work longer at his desk and not have to go to the canteen for a cup of coffee. Did the coffee machines help the country in any way? The answer is no. He left the health department in a worse state than what he entered it in. Do I? Did I hear some time ago of a TD was driving home and claiming for accommodation, but he was actually driving home every night? Do you want me to go on and on? I have a bag full of corruption in government, says uh, Jim. Okay, yeah, I accept that we have had politicians who have done wrong in the past uh, as well. There's, there's, I don't think there's anybody taking uh, from that. Thank you for your WhatsApp, Jim, to 0862103103. And can anybody help a listener, please? Hi, Patricia, could you give a shout out to your listeners? Does anybody know where I can buy Green Hill sheets for the bed? Green Hill sheets, are they still on sale? Now, the last time we spoke about Green Hill sheets was to do with those candy striped ones, wasn't it? The the ones, the brushed cotton. And uh, with lots of people saying that they brushed cotton is back in. And I have noticed I actually I needed to get a spare duvet cover for I'd, I'd a house full of visitors and I needed some extra duvet covers you know with the changing of the beds with the new visitors arriving and I had very few hours and I said I'll never get them all washed and dried the spare one so I went out and I actually bought some br- brushed cotton ones I haven't bought brushed cotton in ages now I put it onto a spare bed but I have to say when the bed was made up and it was brushed cotton this was a bu- brushed cotton quilt cover and, and pillow pillowcases and it just the bed looks so comfortable I wanted to almost uh, jump in I still haven't bought the brushed cotton sh- the sheets for my own bed but seemingly you know they're, they're, they're back they're certainly back out on sale I don't know I don't know I'm not saying that they went out of favour but they weren't as readily readily available we all went for the Egyptian cotton kind of took over with the Egyptian cotton but the one thing about the Egyptian cotton sheets when you get in they're freezing cold because you don't get that with the lovely uh, brushed cotton sheets anyway I digress is this Green Hill sheets I don't know if it's the brushed cotton ones you're making or is it just the brand name I used to get the Green Hill sheets in lovely box sets weren't they 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 were the big thing to give as wedding presents and I know when I mention this there will be people listening to me that if they check in probably the top shelf of their hot press they probably still have a boxed set of green hill sheets that they got as wedding presents that they put away for good use <laughs> and they've probably never opened that box i guarantee you let me know if there's anybody listening that still has the original green hill sheets in the box 
that they decided to keep for good wear and they haven't used them yet. Love to hear from you and love to hear when you got married, how long those sheets are sitting in the box. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text your WhatsApp to 0862103103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Mallow Field Club, they are holding a lecture. It is on Cork's Harbour's past and present. It's by Michael Martin. Now, it's on tonight at 8 and it's on in the Social Services uh, Centre. Shambali Moore Bingo is on tonight. That's at 8 o'clock. The jackpot is €3,650. All are welcome. And in 2023, Anam plan to continue offering their full suite of services that will begin their fundraising effort with miles that matter. They want to do 280,000 miles in 28 days, whether it's a sunrise walk, a lunchtime run or a sunset jog. They're asking for supporters, please, to make every mile matter this February and to raise vital funds for their services. If you would like more support from um, Anam Cara, if you would like to support them, please check out their Miles That Matter fundraise and you can do that on their website, www.anamcara, A-N-A-M-C-A-R-A, anamcara.ie. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Okay, some of your comments, uh, some of your texts uh, coming in on the fitness for the Gardaí and the proposal that extra time be given because unfortunately a fifth of the a sixth of the candidates from last year failed the fitness test they weren't able to do the obstacle course which is a shuttle run push-ups the obstacle course and then a push-pull machine but the obstacle course has to be completed three times in under three minutes and 20 seconds and people are failing it's that seems to be that side of the fitness test they're failing and Jim O'Callaghan the Fianna Fáil TD, uh, look, he was on to the minister looking for the numbers and he reckons there should be some kind of leniency that our fitness test is too demanding and he said it's out of step with other jurisdictions and because of that it's becoming a growing factor blocking recruitment. Somebody says, uh, Patricia, I've never heard such tripe. Fitness tests for Gardaí should, if anything, should be tougher. tougher. Do you think the criminals will be slowing down? Imagine a, tra- a chase and a member of our Gardaí Siakona can't run and keep up what a joke. Gardaí should have to do fitness tests every three to five years once they become members, says this uh, texter. A couple of other ones, uh, Patricia. People in the opposition are very quick to forget how Pascal Donner, who managed the country's finances and supported business throughout the COVID pandemic. This should be remembered by those who are casting stones, says Richard in Mallow. On apprenticeships, hi Patricia, I'm just wondering, will a mechanic apprenticeship be a viable career, especially with electric cars coming down the line? Yeah, because seemingly if we get to the stage where it's all electric cars, you'll be going to a technician, not to a mechanic uh, anymore. But I take it that mechanics, will they skill up in electric cars? I don't know. Anyway, uh, somebody's wondering, is it now a viable career choice? Also, why isn't their pay in line with the other apprenticeships? The S- the SIMI seems to be setting their own rates. It's hard to advise, especially with wage differences on the Generation App web page. 
I don't know what webpage uh, that is but I suppose the one thing with the apprenticeship yes there is but, but you get paid as you train it might be very little money but the opposing side is students who go, who go to college don't get paid and end up having to pay to attend college so that's kind of the flip of it but it's always been an argument that apprentices simply do not get enough and actually thank you to Roisin Kelleher she's been straight back to us the woman is, is great with the query from the listener who was wondering if your child is colour blind and they have colour blindness correctness glasses can they apply to be an electrician so Roisin has come back to say She's followed up on the query from the listener about the corrective colour lenses and electrical apprenticeships. Unfortunately, the corrective coloured lenses are not accepted for apprenticeships. Solis are currently reviewing the issues associated with the colour tests. And at this time, one has to pass the test or not. And once again, Roisin said that listeners contacted us is very welcome to contact uh, Roisin. She's got her email address info at roisinkelleher.ie or a fantastic website www.roisinkelleher.ie. So if the listener wants further information, but as of now, the corrective glasses uh, don't work for somebody who is colourblind, who wants to become an electrician. And it's isn't it a moment to correction, but isn't it the same for pilots as well? I'm sure if you want to be a pilot, that you can't be colourblind. I'm open to correction on that, but I'm nearly sure uh, it is. Uh, hi, Patricia. This is back to the Gardaí. Can the Gardaí are, do they carry tasers? It seems like madness that criminals can do what they want to do with Gardaí. And then when they come before the court, it is almost like a badge of honour. Well, I asked John Parker, they do have the pepper spray. I don't know if they go around with tasers uh, or not. Um, I, w- I certainly will try and check that and see if we can get get you an answer on that. Back to Pascal, John in Cove says, who is fooling who? Look who headed up the Golfgate situation. It was a judge during the lockdowns and we all know by now political parties in this country need to be me- reprimanded. But the next election will come and guess what? They'll be voted back in again. So they'll be like schoolboys today at 4 p.m., all of the different parties but Pascal will get away with it like so many are in Dáil Éireann. It'll all be shouting and roaring for the cameras and they'll act like school children but at the end of the day nothing will be done. That's from John and Cove but others are saying storming a teacup. Uh, back to you John uh, saying the situation should never have got to where it's at and we shouldn't be wasting Dáil uh, time. And I knew this would happen. Nancy in Rushfield, or in Bantry, sorry Nancy says I have a boxed set of green hill sheets when I got married, they were still in the box. They've got a little bit of embroidery on the top of them and you fold that down. Everything is intact as when I got it. And whatever you do, they are made of such strong material. Those sheets will never ever uh, wear uh, out and I wonder why you kept that set in the box were you keeping it sort of for good wear or someday when you might have somebody very posh visiting and you take out the embroidered sheets from uh, Green Hills but you're right because there's probably other people who got you, you don't say how long you're married though Nancy uh, there are a lot of other people who will have got Green Hill sheets who would have used them on the bed and they just they didn't wear out they got replaced them with the Egyptian cotton and all the amount of thread that you can get in the Egyptian uh, cotton but there was nothing like the old fashioned Green Hill sheets and how, how durable they were but there's but somebody wants to know are they still on sale has anybody seen them still on uh, sale we still haven't got anyone to contact us on that if you do know somewhere they're still on sale uh, please uh, let us know 
0818 Hi Patricia, the truth about the CAO, a lot of people don't know what they want to do when they actually leave school and it can actually take a long time to figure that out but they end up in a career then by default. The most interesting careers I think are in the arts, in music and film where you can leave a legacy to be proud of. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that is great. But it's that's a hard career in order to get into. Hi, Patricia. This is oh, the brushed cotton sheets are available in MJ Cronin's Middle Square McCroom. Uh, but are they Green Hill? This particular listener wants Green Hill uh, shoes. So I don't know if they're Green Hill sheets. They, she's looking for the particular brand uh, Green Hill. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, the very funny Mario Rosenstock is once again embarking on a nationwide tour where special guests will be anyone from Marty Morrissey, the President Michael D. Higgins, Michael Flatley to the lovely Miriam O'Callaghan and everybody in between. Uh, four of the dates actually includes the Cork Opera House and I'm delighted to say Mario Rosenstock has taken time out uh, to join us uh, ahead of his nationwide uh, tour. Good afternoon to you, Mario. Hi Patricia, how are you? Uh, and thanks a million for having well, me on again. Listen, it's uh, why it, do you, why it's do you, great. Why do you always have me on the phone though? I'd love to come down and actually see you in person. Well, do you the know, other fella, your your competitor always has me on in person. Well, We're delighted yeah, to be joined now and, by Mario Rosenstock. And I did hear you recently <laughs> on with a certain competitor, and I heard it, and I got slagged off, and I heard it. You got slagged off <laughs> by you. Oh, well, did we, I slag you, you off? Did, yeah, 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 It's okay. Ah, that's all in, all in affection, Patricia. Can I just say, I felt so proud that I got name-checked by you. I was thrilled. I was secretly well, he thrilled. Was absolute, well, he was absolutely raging, Patricia. He gave me, he admonished me at the gym afterwards where he was lifting exceptional amounts of weights in the gym and he admonished me afterwards for even mentioning your name, you know. <laughs> This is your first tour back uh, since uh, COVID. So it's about three years. Is there a nervousness about getting back out on the road? Um, Not so much, Patricia, because um, I was actually I came out last year in 22. So um, that was where the real nervousness was, because I had my tour was cancelled from 2020. I was actually on stage on the night that the whole that Leo came out and went, "Ah, "Okay, everybody, I'm in Washington, but now everybody hide under their beds. There's a virus coming. So um, that, that was 2020 and I was hauled off stage and I was off stage for two years. But then I revived the show. Uh, it was a greatest hit show in 2022. And this show I'm a bit nervous about, though, because it's all brand new and I can't wait for people to see it. OK. And, and obviously there's a lot out there that you can you, you can play on. I mean, poor old, we've been discussing this all morning on the programme. We've got a divide in our listeners from people saying poor Pascal to others saying, oh, he deserves everything he's, he's getting. Have you any understanding what's happening with poor Pascal and his posters? Well, Patricia, may I say I am a huge fan of your show and everybody on C103. John Paul was very respectful to me on the phone, off air, may I say, and he did offer his services regarding putting up posters for me in the next election. (laughs) Now, now, thank you. And I know he volunteered you as well. And I can see you up a pole 
with me now, uh, Mrs. Messenger. I can see you up that hole. And it's fascinating items you have been doing on the show all morning, particularly the obstacle courses with the Garbage Corner and the fitness test and the PCTs and the shuttle runs. And may I say, good luck to everybody in Shan Ballymore Bingo this evening. I will be participating myself and hopefully I don't win any money because that may be regarded as a donation. Now, to answer your specific question, Miss Messenger, I am the best boy in class, as you know. And so I am outraged that they would think I am capable of any form of corruption. I dot my I's, I cross my T's, and I always open the doors for ladies like yourself, exceptionally well-groomed ladies with lovely short hair. But unfortunately, I seem to have caught the virus. That virus, not the aforementioned COVID virus, I am, of course, referring to phenophilitis whose exposure to same disease, phenophilers can sustain a period of time where you will be open to sustained sickness and symptoms, including taking donations from businessmen and then telling fibs in Dal Aaron about these said donations. So to answer your question, um, um, Miss Messenger, uh, I am grateful and gratified that most of your listeners are on my side. They know it was only a small amount of money. And thank you to everybody in Cork and on C103 for your vote and for being so cooperative and supportive of Pascal. Now, if you want to hear more, tune in to the Doll and Aroxas TV today at 4 o'clock where Mario Rosenstock will be appearing in my stead to tell you what happened. Is that good enough for you, Victoria? And, and you know something, that's, he, he runs down the clock when he knows he's got five minutes. He'll keep going and he'll keep well, going. Do you know what? I, I found him, I, I've met him a couple of times by accident because I walk into him in, 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 in news studios and um, he kills you with kindness when he sees you. So he sees me and he goes, oh, Mario Rosenstock, I love your sketches so much. And he, he's already charmed you by the time he's met you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> because but that's the one thing for somebody. I mean, I always associate Pascal Donoghue uh, with you. Uh, he's, he's one of the ones that always comes to mind. Um, the, one you of my know, favourite Yeah, within political life, there must be people that when, when they decide to retire, you go, oh, I mean, jo when Joan Burton retired, I said, oh, no, Mario, you're going to lose Joan. I mean, you, Joan was somebody... You loved doing. Can I just say, <laughs> I am absolutely disgusted that you said I retired. <laughs> I never retire. I am forming a girl group with Heather Humphreys and Patricia Messenger. We're going to be called the Three Degrees of Misery. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Joan. Poor. Do, do, do you, Joan? I remember. I remember. I remember. Remember Joan again. I, I have the unfortunate um, happenstance that I have to meet some of these people, and I remember again getting into a lift. And I remember the lift closing and I remember the stiletto coming through the lift. And mm. I remember it was Joan Burton and she's six foot one in high heels and she's looking down at me and we stared at each other for about five seconds. The lift opened. She got out and just before she got around, she rounded on me. and She went, you can't do me. You're very good at Willie O.D., but you can't do me! <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I mean, I take it, you know, no, Nobody takes umbrage, do they, to, to what you do? Or do they? They do. They do. do. Um, I mean, God bless him. I happen to know, um, um, he's down, down in your ways, but I happen to know that uh, Michael Flatley doesn't really like what I do. Oh. Um, and uh, 
Daniel O'Donnell, he denies this, but I think he tried to run me over. Ah. I saw his dead eye. I thought I see he was driving a Volvo and I saw his dead eyes staring at me as he tried to run over my feet in Delir Street. <laughs> and I saw him as he went by, his dead doll shark's eyes staring at me as he tried to run me over. The whites um, of his eyes. I, the whites, the white deads of his eyes. But most of all, most of all people are taken in good stead. Yeah, because I, I, I worked with, um, had the pleasure of working with Miriam O'Callaghan um, last year. And I, I mentioned you to her and she had a big smile on, on her face and said, he's such a nice guy. Well, I've got her right beside me here and I oh. want her to, because uh, you did a gig with her. In I court, did, didn't you? yeah. Well, I have her here. She's, no, she wants to talk to you about that. Oh, does she? Oh, hi, Miriam. Hi, Patricia. I'm oh, my God. Genuinely excited to talk to you. You know, I remember that gig and you were amazing at that gig, Patricia. You know, before I came down to do that gig in Cork, I made breakfast for the eight kids. Um, I drove them all to school and university and two of them to jobs. I came back. I did a three-way interview with Emmanuel Macron, Ursula van der Leyen and Rishi Sunak. I collected the kids from school. I brought them to volleyball, hockey, swimming, trampolining, gymnastics and ice skating. I came home. I rewired the house. I made dinner for the eight kids. I drove down to Cork, threw on a bit of lippy and a pink dress. And there you were waiting for me. It was a fantastic night. And thank you so much. Oh, God. Do you, do you, do you know something, Mario? That's not far from the truth because that particular night she was in the room next to me we had uh, not adjoining bedrooms but we were both staying in the same ho- in the hotel in uh, the bedrooms beside each other and she said to me will you knock when we're, when we're going down when it's time to go down of course I will so I knocked on the door and I literally went in and she was on the phone and she was talking to somebody from prime time and one of her kids was on hold and she was she, li- <laughs> she, she literally is very busy she's a, she's oh, a she is brilliant but you know what I mean I've, 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 I've met her a couple of times as well and I always like to mention the people I meet because people kind of get a kick out of hearing how I might have thought of them so i met her out in a restaurant once and i must say i was extremely impressed again a very tall lady um but um she has what i would call the clintonian factor bill clinton she has that real she really has a genuine charisma and it's the kind of when you're talking to her in a room she does that thing with her eyes she fastens her eyes on you and you alone and she makes you think you're the only person in the room and it's a really, really special quality that some people have. You can kind of go, you just get really caught up with them. And she's she's a lovely, lovely woman. She's gorgeous. Yeah, um, she is. And she's, she is. Ve- and and she's I, very Whenever tall. I do her on telly, whenever I do her on telly, I get these, well, sometimes I get these very long texts from her. <laughs> and the texts, again, are kind of, I sort of read them in her voice and the texts will go, just saw you on telly. Oh, my God, you're incredible. You're such a genius. How do you come up with all that stuff? But the tone of what she's saying, I always get the feeling that she's going, let's just stop doing me, will you, for God's sake? <laughs> and, and, and actually, can I just say, and, and uh, we're keeping it nice and light. I saw you and Tommy Tiernan on uh, yeah. Saturday night. You were excellent. And, and I think you've hit on something because I was watching Aww. social media stuff as well and that we're all in some way a little bit damaged by our upbringings and the dynamics in families and, and you're right about everybody seems to think that every other family are the Waltons and it's only our family have got like skeletons we all have skeletons and you're right it's something we need to talk about and address yeah, Patricia, I'm, 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 no, I have no, no problem with you bringing up that at all. And I was delighted that it got it out there. I, I, in the past, I've talked in other sort of fora about this. And I mean, basically, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. There was a fair bit of violence. Um, there was a lot of emotional um, violence. And I kind of thought I was a freak growing up and that 
when when my friends went behind their closed doors uh, that they went back to warm fires and dinners on the table and mummy and daddy hugging in the corner and everybody cooperating and really it wasn't the truth as i grew older i realized that a lot of other people had issues in their families but what what when i came out with about that with, with tommy I, I i i did so with confidence because i don't feel weird about it anymore i feel okay about it i feel okay to share it with people because i feel it can make you stronger to be vulnerable about that and to admit that you've a little bit of damage because of of of, of your family background and my god um, patricia since i did the interview with tommy on i'd say i have 800 to a thousand messages from people who are telling me that they feel as if they've now been sort of seen yeah. and that they've now been they, they they feel um that we're all together on this because you see one of the progresses we've made in ireland over the last particularly 10 20 years is the ability to talk about stuff i mean sometimes you're blue in the face hearing fellas on the radio going on about mental health let's talk about mental health but the fact is that mental health um is is being talked about and is not a taboo subject anymore similarly miscarriage is a subject which people used not to talk about at all and now people openly talk about miscarriage and it is something that people can share together but one of the things that i think people don't talk about is the damage that is inherent and inflicted on you in a dysfunctional family mm -hmm. and i don't necessarily mean abuse or sexual abuse or violence i mean estrangement people who a mother who hasn't talked to her son in 20 years a father who hasn't talked to his son in 10 years a brother who hasn't talked to another brother because the brother went off and got married and became estranged for 10 years these are really really sad events in people's life which leave damage and for us to come out and go yeah you know i didn't i haven't talked to my mom in 10 years i don't know why it's just not great we had a little falling out and then there's a there's a kind of a hole between us or something and um, i think that's okay to talk about it and well, it doesn't mean you're a freak well, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. And I think the more we talk about it, the more healing and people then can get on with their lives without. Because the worst thing you can do is hold on to all of that within you and then it eats you away and then it, you just keep the cycle going. That's it. And me, my wife said to me the other day, she said, you know, you've booked that trend. And I kind of went, what? She said, well, you now are a father who adores your children and hopefully you adore me she said uh and particularly when i'm doing jose Mourinho's accent yeah. and uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so so i i have booked the trend yeah, because well i kind of all my life my seat one i think all my life one of my secret ambitions was i'm going to work hard at being good at listening and good at li and, and and good at loving my family well done well done um, well done yeah, that's all. And, and back yeah. to and just back on uh, Tommy Tiernan the couple of yeah. weeks previously Tommy Tiernan had what was oh God it was a tough interview did you see the one with Roy Keane I saw the one with Roy Keane I'd love to I mean I, 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 I you know to Roy Keane I'd just love to hear what he was thinking about what he, what, what he thought about that interview because yeah. I could only think he'd think something like this you know I have to say I was disappointed with the lad at the end of the day you know, he didn't seem to be prepared. You know, he didn't even seem to know I was coming on. It was like it was like a total surprise to him at the end of the day. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, do your job. Ask a question. It's your job. And he says, how'd you meet the wife? How'd you meet the wife? I've had better questions from my taxi driver at the end of the day. <laughs> Anton Deck would have done a better job. I mean, you go to Cork, you take the top players, you know, you talk to the likes of Messenger. She's all over you like a rash, you know? You're going to get probed. She's going to stick the probe in. 
because she's prepared fail to prepare prepare to fail at the end of the day messenger knows that messenger gets stuck in i was disappointed with the lads to be fair <laughs> i think that's what it said well done well done okay so your your tour is starting at the end of february and you're coming to us on the 8th 9th 10th and 11th of march you four nights in the Opera House. Well, Mario Rosenstock has been gracing Cork with his presence for a long time now. And he's coming to Cork on the 8th, 9th, 10th and 11th. But you know what? He's also going to the INEC in Kerry on the 17th of March, which, as you know, is St. Paddy's Patrick's Day. St. Day. Um, and I'm also going to uh, the UCH in Limerick in two di- in, on two different nights as well. But check out Ticketmaster for details. OK, listen, it's a pleasure as always, Marsh, uh, Mario. Loved every minute of it. My mum calls me Marsh. <laughs> and I can see lots of people saying how fantastic. Love Mario Rosenstock. Brilliant to have him on. And just what Jim says, I think Pascal uh, could send Mario Rosenstock in instead of him today to take the heat <laughs> in the doll. Mario has some uh, talent. Listen, thank you for that. Pleasure as always. And we will yeah. have you live in studio one of these days oh no listen the next time let's make it a date I'd love to come into your studios okay look after yourself take care the wonderful Mario Rosenstock that's why I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon we're back to you tomorrow at 10 until I'm Trish Messner very good afternoon today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.